Yeah, it's an interesting thing that we see over and over again in scriptures and the stories of God's people and in Jesus and in church history that to step into a rich life with God, it involves letting go. And to catch something bigger, you have to let go of the thing that you're holding on that's, uh, that's a little bit smaller. And even, even Jesus said that. He said, he said, you've got to lose your life to find it. You've got to let go of your life to, to find your life. And it says here in Matthew 10, whoever finds their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And you read that, and you may have, those of you that have been uh, Christians for a long time, have been around church for a long time, you will be familiar with that verse. But it's quite a confusing verse. It's like, so, which one is it? Are we supposed to lose our life, or are we supposed to find our life? Like, well, is it good to lose it, or is it good to find it? And to find it, you have to lose it, but how do you find it if you've lost it? How do you lose it when you want to find it? You know, so what he's, what he's saying is that this whole thing that we see right throughout our, the, the story of God's people is that you have to let go of things to be able to grab hold of the things that really are the things that matter, that really are the things that matter. The journey into a deeper faith, a deeper relationship with God only comes when you let go of things over and over again. So what, what life do you lose and what life do you find? I remember a few years back, I remember seeing in a, a local newspaper, it had a whole page with a whole lot of different ads on it, and the title across the top of the page uh, was The Good Life. The Good Life. And what do, you think it, what, what do you think the ads were? What do you think it was advertising? Fishing, yes. <laughs> Food, yes. It was definitely lots of restaurants, and uh, I was talking about the best restaurants. It was. How many of you people have been to Wildfire? Brazilian barbecue. It's just eat as much meat as you as you can. It's just you just they just keep bringing it out. Don't stop. It just if you ever go, look, I've just got to help you out here with something. They bring out vegetables first. Don't eat any. Okay. <laughs> Seriously, it's like it's just a trick. So that you don't eat as much of their meat. Don't eat, don't, don't fall for that. But the good life, it was like beauty spas, you know, like manicures and massages and uh, whatever else that happens at those places. So, um, there was tropical holidays and pictures of blue skies and blue seas and people in hammocks with pina coladas and palm trees. And it was the good life. They were advertising the good life. The things that feel good to the senses. Does that make sense? The, 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 good, the things that, make us, that feel good to the senses. But this, this life that Jesus is talking about, it's different. He's talking about a life where there is just a deep peace in the, in the heart. A deep peace in the heart. A life where there is just a contentment that undergirds circumstances. That it, it almost irrelevant to what is happening in life. There's just this deep sense of peace and, and contentment. There's just a, uh, an underlying you know, joy. The good life is where you know that you're loved unconditionally by God. 
no matter what you do, no matter what you've done, you're, you're loved unconditionally by this all-knowing, all-powerful God. He loves you. The good life is where you live a life that's not just about all about like me, me, me. It's a life that, that has room to be concerned for others and want to be a blessing to other people. It's, an, it's a life that goes on way past when our bodies wear out. And this is the life that, that Jesus is talking to. He's saying like, but you know what? To find that life, there has to be some letting go. You might have to let go of the tennis ball to grab a hold of the soccer ball, unless you're Colin. Uh, but you have to let go of the soccer ball to grab the Swiss ball. So letting go. Now the Apostle Paul, we read about that in the Bible as well. He, he, he found this life. He, he found this life. He, he talks about, I've learned to be content in all circumstances. And have you read about some of his circumstances? Beaten, shipwrecked, imprisoned, beaten some more. I've learned to be content in all circumstances. That's the good life that, that Jesus is talking about. Another story that's in uh, we read in the in the stories of when Jesus was here and uh, of a of a rich man, and he was some kind of official or overseer. And we read it in all of the the gospels. The gospels are the different accounts of Jesus's life. So in Luke 18 and Matthew 19, Mark 10. And he had the good life, one of the good lives. He had the good life that was the nice clothes and the, the nice chariot, I guess. Uh, you know, he had, the, he had the house with the Mediterranean sea views, the holiday home in Malta, who knows, you know, the boat, the launch, the staff. He, he was a rich man. And he, many of us would look at someone like that and go, they've got it made, they've made it. But the rich man looks at Jesus and says, like, something's missing in my life. I look at you and I see something that all of my wealth hasn't been able to give me. I see, I, what's that? There's something missing. It moved his heart. And they talked. With, you know, Jesus and this, this rich man, they talk. And they find out that this rich man was a good man. He did good things. He, he didn't steal. He didn't sleep around. He was an honest guy. He helped people, kept the rules. But he's, he still did something missing. And, and as he's watching Jesus, he saw something. And he, you know, rich people, they, they're kind of used to getting what they want. And so he came to Jesus and he said, like, I want what you've got. I want it. How can I have it? And Jesus had this divinely given insight into this, into this man's heart. And he could see that, that he was holding on to his wealth in such a way that it was going to prevent him from being able to, to grab a hold of the very things that he was looking at and saying, that's missing from my life and that's, that's what I want. So Jesus said, if you want the real good life, Give away your money and you'll have treasure in heaven. <gasps> Give away your money. Let go. Let go of your money. And we read that the, it says, as it says, the man was, was gutted. He said he went away sad. 
because he was holding tight to what he had and he couldn't bear to let it go. He could see something that was like a life, like everything that his heart yearned for, and, but he couldn't let go of this other thing. He couldn't take the risk to let go of it. He couldn't lose and let go to find that which his heart was longing for. You have to lose your life to find life. And the question I have for all of us, for me, for all of us this morning, is is there anything that we need to lose? Is there anything that we need to let go of so that we can find more of God? Find more of God, what, what God has for us. Find more of that, that deep sense of life is good, peace, contentment, joy. Is there anything that we have? What would you find it hard to say to God? Anything, God, anything that you want me to, to let go of, I'll let go of it. Is there anything that you'd find hard to say that to? It might be your car. Not some of your cars. I've seen some of your cars. But, but for some of you, it might be your car. Um, yeah, it might be your next, your next paycheck. It might be your, your job. It might be your house. It might be your favorite guitar. I've got a friend uh, who is a worship leader, and uh, he he was sold a guitar by a very generous person. It was uh, an Ovation guitar, and I know some of you don't get into like, is that a good guitar or a bad guitar? Let's just say it's a, it was just about a five thousand dollar guitar, and this and he, this person sold it to him for like about a thousand dollars, and so very kindly allowed him to have this you know, lovely guitar. And, uh, and he, really, he really did, he, he loved it. He loved this guitar. He's a great worship leader. Um, and uh, f- about five or six years, he was, he was telling me uh, after, you know, that, uh, after this was the friends that we had in England, and um, he was telling me the story, and he, he said that you know, there was this, what happened was that he just felt this like nudge from God that he had to give this guitar away. At first he thought like that must be the devil. <laughs> that must be the devil talking. Surely, surely that can't be God. And uh, but no, he, he just felt this persistent nudge from God that you, I'm, I'd like you to give your guitar away. And he's like, ah. Oh. But he was someone that wanted. To be obedient, he knew that there was something in the letting go that would allow him to to step into something more. And so there was a young worship leader at his church, and um, you know, came to him one one day and and just said, uh, I'd, "You know, I'd I'd like you to have my guitar." And this guy goes like, "Oh no, surely I couldn't take it." And he said like, "I just about took it back." But <laughs> he said. Uh, but he said, no, no, God's been speaking to me about, um, about this and, and, I need, and I would love you to have my guitar. And uh, he was telling me the story because about two months later, he was with some of his friends in the, uh, in the States and, uh, who were musicians as well. And uh, he was telling them the story. And uh, he was telling it with us, you know, it's like, a, oh, 
I want to tell you my sorry story about like you know my giving away my guitar. I know it was the right thing to do, but I, you know, and and as he told it, the the wife of these friends that he was staying with, her face just lit up in this big smile, and he's like, it's like that's not very nice. It was, it was, it was and uh, and 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 she said, I need you, I need to tell you that something that God spoke to me about three or four years ago. And uh, this lady said that God spoke to her and told her that if Jason ever gave his guitar away, that she was to give him her guitar, which is a $25,000 guitar. And like, I mean, it was amazing. But I know that sort of thing doesn't happen all the time. And I know it, it's, it's, there's no guarantee that, you know, that one thing leads to another. And, um, but... It is a picture of life in God's kingdom. It's just a picture of life in God's kingdom. It's the way God's economy works. It's the way that the whole universe is set up and that you, you give and you get. You let go and God brings something better. You lose your life and you find a more beautiful and fulfilling and contented life. But you've got to, it's got to come from letting go. Stepping into this life that is joyful and peace. And Jesus told stories. He, he told stories about this, about the kingdom of God and letting go. He says this, and I'll read it from the, from the Message Bible, Matthew 13. He says, God's kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field for years and then accidentally found by a trespasser. When you, I know in the more accurate translations, it doesn't say trespasser. But how does a guy find a treasure in a field that's not his? Like, you know, and, and if it was his mate's field, it's like, anyway, he'd tell him, and he didn't. So anyway, he finds this treasure. The finder is ecstatic. What a find. And proceeds to sell everything he owns to raise money and buy that field. Jesus is saying, this is what the kingdom of God is like. It's the picture. There's, in order to get something better, you've got to let go of things that aren't as good. He says it again. Or God's kingdom is like a jewel merchant on the hunt for excellent pearls. Finding one that is flawless, he immediately sells everything and buys it. He's just saying, this is what God's kingdom is like. It's this, it's this journey of letting go, of, of letting go of, of us holding on to things and trusting and leaning into God and trusting that he will step, uh, take us into things that is the very things, the very life that we've always hoped for, we've always wanted. I know that um, Jacinda and I, we've been married, uh, oh, I should have worked this out before that message, uh, <laughs> 28 years. <laughs> yeah. You, you're clapping because I remember, do you? <laughs> um, and, uh, but right, right when we first got married, we, we made a decision that this is the life that we're going to live. We're going to live a life of seeking what God would have for us as best we know how and to be obedient to that. Even if there would be seasons when it would, be, it would cost something, we would do that. And, uh, and in the early 90s, uh, we'd been married a, a, a year or two and all our friends were buying houses. And we were thinking, do we buy a house for the frightening large sum of eighty-five thousand uh, dollars? We were, well, we, 
Um, we actually looked at one that was like even nicer, $93,000. It was like, whoo, imagine stepping out that, that far. Um, um, but in the midst of that, we just felt very strongly that God was leading us to go over to England and to the money that we'd saved, that that would be go to, towards that. And, uh, you know, we knew that uh, house prices would go up while we were away. We didn't know how long we'd be away for. And um, have house prices gone up since then? I think a little. Um, but, you know, we prayed, and, and all of a sudden, all of these, you know, quite unusual circumstances happened and conversations, and, and it was just so, so obvious to us that God was pointing us to, to do that. And, um, you know, and often people say, oh, how, how can you be sure if God's leading you to do something? How can you be 100% sure about anything? I'm like, well, you can't ever be 100% sure. He says, but what if you're more than 50% sure? What are you going to do with that? You're more sure than not sure. What are you going to do with that? Hmm. I believe you to ponder that one. We're about 80% sure. And we went. And we were over in England for three years. And it was in that three years that we, uh, we connected with the Vineyard Church family. And it was in the midst of that three years too that, uh, that God spoke to us very clearly and called us into pastoral ministry. It was, it was a life-changing thing. I'm going to tell more about um, that story uh, shortly. But, you know, we let go of, the, of the, the, the secure and the easy and the comfortable to step into what we believe God had for us. And God met us and he grew us and blessed us, looked after us. Again, if you have this lens of like, just is this really what God's people are called to, to let go? And if you read through your scriptures, you'll just see it over and over and over again. God's asking people, let go of this, but I've got something better for you. And it's this, this journey of like, oh, this is going to take faith. This is going to take, uh, there's, there's no guarantees Abraham, before he became Abraham, he was Abram. And uh, in Genesis 12, verse 1, the Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Let go of the familiar. Let go of your extended family. Let go of the, the fields that you're familiar with, with your, um, your stock. Let go of your security, and I'll give you something better. But you still have to let go. Jesus' disciples, he said to them, follow me. And instead of fishermen, I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me. Let go of your, your business, your job, security, and come and follow me. And you know what? They, they said yes. And why is that? It's because as they looked to Jesus. They just saw something. They saw, like, this is, this is where life is found. This is where life is found. It's in, you, we read the story a little bit uh, of, of Jesus. And uh, 
there's this time when uh, Jesus, he, he taught a few hard things. And people were, possibly a little bit like this morning, <laughs> people were going like, oh, I liked it better when you're talking about love and I liked it better when you're talking about the, you know, how, how God just wants to forgive us. And, and then you're saying some hard things. And, and there was a time when some of his followers decided to stop following him. And Jesus turns to the 12 disciples that were, were his team and he says, what about you guys? Are you going to leave me as well? And Simon Peter, so this is P Peter who was the uh, apostle Peter, became the head of the church in, uh, in Jerusalem. He turns to Jesus and says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. He says, like, why would we go? Everything that life is all about, I can see in you. This is everything that I've always hoped for in life. I find in you, Jesus. Why would I go? And the ultimate example of letting go is Jesus himself. Jesus, who is God, becomes a man, becomes flesh and blood, come to walk amongst us. This is what it says in, uh, in Philippians 2, talking about Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. God letting go of his, his godness still fully God, but choosing to be amongst us in the nature of a servant. It goes on to say this. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Talk about letting go. Even death on a cross. Let's go of, this, of, of his life amongst us. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Letting go. So, you know, in, in Abraham's life and in the disciples' life, you know, in our lives, as we follow Jesus, there's always this calling to to faith, to follow, to let go, but for the goal of us stepping into the fullness of life that it can be. And yeah, I think this is part of the point is that we're just called to grow and trust of God, trust that His plans for us are good, trust that as we let go of captaining our own ship and, and giving the reins, the, the, the captaining of our lives to Jesus that we're going to step into the, to the good life, the real good life, find the richness of life, the joy, that's the, just that sense of like life is all okay deep down. I, I, do you want that? Do you want that kind of life? Do you want that kind of life? Well, this is, tough, this is, this is tough, tough stuff. But do you want that? You know, life with God, a life of hearing God's voice, you know, we're not, this is not about saying like, oh, okay, so now you've got to like 
you've got to let go of this, you've got to let go of this, you've got to let go of this. Now, this is about a hard attitude to, in your relationship with God. To say, like, God, anything that you ask, it's a yes from me. It's a yes, anything that you ask. And I let go of my, of my career ambitions. I just let them go. I let go of my ambitions to be rich. And I let them go. I let go of my, my deep longing to be married. I, I let it go. And like God may well give you them anyway. He's just asking you to let go. He wants your heart. And when he has your heart, he just pours life into you. I know that that's, looking around, I've, I know you've got your own stories of, the, yes, this is, this is the way it works. When he has your heart, he pours life into you. Again, Jesus in Matthew 6, this wonderful, wonderful sermon called the Sermon on the Mount, it's known as, and people, whether they're people of faith or not, they all just say, this is the best sermon ever, ever in the history of sermons. And he says this right in the middle of it, Matthew 6. He says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Let go of those other things. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. One of my favorite verses in the Bible Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. I told you earlier on that I'd, um, I'd tell you the story about uh, how God called uh, Jason and I into pastoral ministry. And uh, it really is a, it's a, it's a story of letting go, really. Um, so in, uh, in 1993, who was alive then? 1993. We were in England, and we're at this uh, new vineyard church plant in Oxford. And Oxford's a very beautiful city. We, uh, we love being there. It's a university city. It's just tens of thousands of university students, the smartest people from around the country, around the world, were all there. Um, and we were there as well. So, uh, <laughs> um, do you know, it's the, uh, it's the oldest university in the English-speaking world in Oxford. And uh, it's, uh, its motto is uh, a Latin motto, but it means the Lord is my light. Um, very cool. But I was working uh, as an engineer uh, over there. That was my original training in life, was in, in civil engineering. But really involved in just serving and, and leading at this church. And we had our good friends, Jason and Bev Clark. They're now pastors of a, a wonderful church in South London, in, in Sutton there. Um, but they were at this church at the same time. We were all in our 20s, and, uh, but they were just kept talking to us. It's like, hey, Matt and Jacinda, do you, do you think you're meant to... Uh, be, be pastors instead of like what you're doing. You, know, you think you're supposed to maybe plant a church? And we're like, uh, oh, I don't know. Um, but they kept talking to us, and we thought, well, maybe, maybe that is, maybe that is what we're supposed to be doing. I don't, I don't know. And uh, John Wimber, who is the founder of the Vineyard Movement, and I, I listened to a lot of his teaching stuff. He's just a wonderful, wise man. And and I just remember one of the things that he said was that if you're ever in a place in life when you're really unsure about you know, what you're supposed to be doing or your calling or, you know, where you're meant to be stepping into. He says, just get on the carpet and don't get up until God speaks to you. Basically saying, just pray. <laughs> just pray. Just pray and pray and pray and God, God will show you. And so I, I thought, well, I really don't know, so I'm going to pray. 
and uh, prayed about this. We prayed this for months um, on end. Let me just add another little bit to the story here. While this is all going on, we found out that when you're in, uh, in England and you're from one of the uh, countries from the, the previous British Empire, um, that from time to time there was invitations extended that you had to apply for to come to have a, a garden party with the Queen at Buckingham Palace. And uh, we thought, yeah, they'll do, we'll be into that. Uh, <laughs> and um, so you, we wrote in and, uh, and uh, applied, I guess, uh, to see whether we could possibly do that. And we got a thing saying, like, you know, you've been invited to come and, um, you know, have this afternoon tea in the grounds of Buckingham Palace with the Queen. And um, we're thinking, cool, we might have to go buy some new clothes, but uh, dress up. So, um, and then we find out that there's this uh, international vineyard pastors conference that was happening in, in California that was happening just around the same, same time. And our pastor invited us to go. And I said, well, that's not going to work. We've got this, you know, we're hanging out with the Queen. Uh, <laughs> works. And my work really was, uh, I was working as a, running a construction project, small construction project down in London. And it really was, it was going to finish about three weeks after the conference. And I just couldn't take the time off. It wasn't going to work. And um, so I sort of said no. And then there was this, we're running a life group, and there was this uh, lady. She just came, became a Christian, like two weeks, two weeks before. And it's just, it was wonderful, wonderful. Just uh, gave her a life to follow in Jesus. And she came up to our home group, and she says, does God speak to us? And I said, yeah, he sure does. She says, why do you say that? She says, well, I'm like, I'm only been a Christian two weeks, but I feel like God spoke to me about something. And we're going, that's amazing. She, I said, what did he say? She says, he said that I had to tell Matt that he had to go to this conference. And <laughs> I'm like, I'm thinking, well, that's interesting. But the work thing still, that's just like, it's, I just can't see it happening. And, and, um, and then just like this bizarre thing, miraculously, like this pr construction project, it, all of a sudden it just, it, some things got finished way quicker. The client took some parts away from it. And all of a sudden it was going to finish four weeks earlier than it, than it and it was just like, Ah, oh, you know, I think I'm supposed to go to this thing, uh, this conference, and uh, uh, it sounds like it. Eh? So we're a bit slow, but we get there. And uh, and Jacinda just said, like, she said, you have to go. You just have to go. This is what God has for us. I said, but what about the Queen? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she'll be fine. Um, and um, <laughs> so for most, of, so I get there. Um, quite a good time difference between England and, uh, and California. So I remember being there the first night and uh, the person behind me must have thought that I was agreeing with a lot of what the person was saying because I was nodding a lot, you know. But it was more like <laughs> falling asleep, jet lag. And, uh, and the conference really was quite uneventful in, uh, in many ways for me except for this last night of the conference. And this is... Uh, and John Wimber, again, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, he, 
He only spoke at one session of this conference. He was just recovering from throat cancer, and uh, so very difficult for him to speak. And this was the first time he'd spoken since his operation. And uh, on the last night of the conference, he spoke. And then as he finished, he said, I want anyone that has never been prayed for by the leadership of the Vineyard Movement to, to come forward and just receive a blessing and, a, and prayer you know, f- uh, from, from, the, from the leaders. And I'm thought, like, I'm into this, but it was like a 3,000-seat auditorium, and I'm like right up the back. So by the time I get down the front, you know, there's prayer lines 10 people deep, and, and uh, I'm thinking, oh, this is just going to take a long time. But then I thought, no, this is, I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to leave. This is something that I want, to, I want to get receive this blessing. I want to receive this prayer. And... Um, so eventually the lines get shorter and shorter, and then eventually um, this, this guy prayed for me. And, uh, and he just looked at me and he just said, like, you need to know that you're called to pastoral ministry. You've been asking this question, and people have been saying to you that this is what it's, you're, you're, you're made for, and you've been unsure, and you've been praying <laughs> and asking God about this. And he says, you need to know that you're called to pastoral ministry and church planting. And it was a very, very powerful um, moment here. Just the presence of God was big and probably might have been the odd little bit of crying going on um, and me as well. So, uh, but uh, I'm like, and think, wow, you know, this guy doesn't know me from anyone. And, and he spoke that, you know, this, this, this word from God for me. And uh, when he finished praying, I went back and there was a bunch of people at the, uh, at the front there that also got prayer, including my pastor from my church in England. And a, f- a few others, and, and my pastor, you know, come back, I could tell I'd been, you know, had an emotional little moment there. And, uh, and he said, like, I feel like God's got something for you too. And he, he said, like, you need to know that you're called, you're called to pastoral ministry and you're called to the vineyard. And like, he knows me, so he knows the journey that we've been on. You kind of think, well, that's not a big deal, except that when he said that, the power of God just, just started to fill me in, it's like in, in a way that I've just never, ever experienced before in my life. It just like went from like nothing to like, like, have you ever walked past like big power transformers on the side of the road and you sort of, they've got that sort of hum about them? That was, I was humming. Like, seriously, I was humming. I, you could have, I felt like, give me... Give me your power appliances. Just I'll just hold it and it'll work. You know, I just felt there was such power, like just it was just this incredible moment where God just met me in in that place, and uh, and just again it was like He was saying like not only are you going to get a prophetic word from someone that you don't know, but I'm going to just speak to you in such a way that you'll know that you'll know that you'll know that this is what I'm calling you to and this is what you're made for. And eventually that, that sort of slowly, like it, it seemed to sort of ebb out of my body. And, uh, and then I was getting quite late. I went to leave and this other lady came up to me. I've never seen her before in my life. And she says, you're Matt, aren't you? And I'm going like, yes, but in my head I'm thinking, yeah. I said yes, but in my head I'm thinking, this is weird. <laughs> you know? It's like, how do you know who I am? I've never met you before. No name badges or anything. And she said, God's been, you're Matt. And like, God's been pointing you out to me this whole conference. She says, God's got a message for you. You need to know that you're called to pastoral ministry <laughs> and you're called to church planting and you're, you're, you've been asking God about this and you just need to know that this is what he's saying to you. And, uh, yeah, it's just a, life, a life-changing night. But, but here's the thing. 
you know, I, what an incredible uh, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to go to Buckingham Palace and meet the Queen. But I let go of this opportunity to meet the Queen and I have a meeting with the King of Kings. Changed my life. And that's the, that's the thing that God is always saying. Like, there's a letting go. If I, if I speak to you and invite you to let something go, step into it because blessing comes when you do. I know that God's going to call some of you guys to, to let go of some things. Maybe not today, you know, maybe not this year, but over your journey of your life. Some of you will have your own stories, a lot of them, of letting go. He's going to call some of you to let go and to make some big sacrifices for the kingdom. And you know, what, are you, what are you going to do? What are you going to say? How are you going to respond? Because it's in times like this where we're sitting and we're listening and we're being challenged in our hearts that's the time that you know, we can make these kind of decisions to prepare us for when there is this time that is ahead. Some of you, I know, will be in the midst of that kind of decision-making right now, that's sensing that I feel like God is saying this to me. And we'd love to pray for you today and just to join our prayers with yours. And, but for all of us, God is calling us to this continuing, continuing life of, of letting go. Calling us to, to lose our life so that we can find the real life that we were made for. So will you say yes? Will we be a, will we be a church that says yes when God invites us to let go?